from Volume 3, Chapter 70, Taking the Mortgage Application, Who? Successful people are always looking for opportunities to help others. Unsuccessful people are always asking, what's in it for me? Brian Tracy. You, as an independent broker, can claim to be available seven days a week, all hours of the day and night. A traditional broker cannot be. A traditional banker, pardon me. A, tr a traditional banker cannot be. For the representative of a bank, this is just a job. For you and I, this is more than a job. It's sometimes even more than a career, right? This is almost like a calling. We are passionate about helping clients. I'm not saying bankers aren't passionate, but we are passionate about helping clients through what we can and likely will, through what can and likely will be a stressful experience as smoothly and calmly as possible. We love what we do and it does not feel at all like work. Okay, sometimes it feels a little bit like work. In fact, I often point out that not only is my job to get on the roller coaster that is the mortgage approval process, but it is also my job to take a client through the process without their knowing there's even a roller coaster ride to be had at all. I don't take, so one of the lines I've used with my clients, I don't take days off during your subject condition removal period. I communicate daily from the date the offer is written until the financing conditions are met, and then I will communicate weekly with an update until the actual completion date. I'm always on, I'm always available. So who is your client? This is the who part of taking a mortgage application. When taking a client's application, Keep it as conversational as possible. Pre-fill as much in advance as you possibly can. If a client has sent an email in advance of the phone call and their email signature contains a job title and employer name, Google the address and pre-fill those details into the system. You may even look the client up on LinkedIn to confirm their employment history. Our application requires at least three years employment history and often LinkedIn provides this data for you, which I still, of course, verify verbally with no reference to my creeping them on LinkedIn specifically. Do be careful. So, I mean, I'm still asking them the questions, but I'm seeing if it lines up with what I've got. Do be careful with the extent of online research you are doing as clients can easily be made uncomfortable when they realize just how public their lives actually are and how snoopy you might be being. So, but nonetheless, trust, but verify. Google is your friend. Google every single client. Sometimes you will notice, if you're paying attention, inconsistencies in a client's credit report that may tell you a story. For instance, the client is 53 years old, yet the report shows all trade lines with a maximum six years history. It's unlikely this client waited until age 47 to open their first credit card. This is a tip-off that the client possibly went through a previous bankruptcy. The way to phrase the question with tact Maybe your credit report, pardon me, your credit report seems to go back no further than six years, which suggests you are either new to Canada or new to credit. Lenders will be asking about this as well. Is there an exclamation expl explanation? Feels like Monday morning. You can help me with for when the lenders ask. In theory, bankruptcies and other credit missteps are supposed to fall off the report and not affect a client moving forward. In theory, that's just not how the world works that we live in. Credit mistakes, as with many mistakes in life, leave behind a trail of clues that those in the know can piece together. So get out ahead of such situations and don't be caught without the answers by the underwriter as it creates delays in the process that could have been avoided up front. You've got to ask the hard questions. 
What is the story? What happened? The main reason is that if you send a client's file to a lender that was hurt, the specific lender that was hurt in the previous bankruptcy, the lender's gonna decline it, even though their automated pre-approval system gave you no sign of a problem initially. A dangerous situation if rates have moved around between pre-approval and live offer being written. So like I say, if you're getting, and this is a real life experience I had, had a rate hold for the client, the rate hold system you know with the lender gave us a rate hold no problem but then when we got into underwriting the file it turned out there had been a previous bankruptcy and that lender had been hurt in that bankruptcy and they declined the file and now rates had moved and now i'm caught saying well yeah i got you a pre-qualification a pre-approval i got you a rate hold but i got it with this lender and of course that client's attitude was this is in the past, I've paid my dues, they shouldn't be holding this against me anymore. And I'm like, it's gonna be held against you by the people that got hurt in it. There's just no, the institutions that got hurt in it. So if you've held a rate for the client with that lender through their automated system and rates have risen with every other lender in the meantime, a decline with that initial lender can put you in a very tricky position. You may try to blame the client, bad move, refer to chapter 55 and volume two, but blaming anyone but yourself is pointless because you're the expert in this equation. This can cost you, blaming can cost you not only the file, but also the client and possibly the referral source to boot. The most painful thing about these situations is you cannot even begin to explain to the referral source why it's all blowing up, not without the client's permission. Permission you are unlikely to get when the story links to a personal bankruptcy. I've had this experience. I've lost a key referral source over a $110,000 file that had many client-induced wrinkles in it, wrinkles that I was bound by confidentiality not to reveal. It was quite a few years ago, yet to this date, it frustrates me to no end that I was the one left looking like the amateur. Who are you? Many clients are running their own business. Have you run your own business? If so, then you can relate to many of your clients' past and current challenges. It's no surprise when a client running their own business, BFS, business for self, as we say, has a history of struggle. After all, 96% of businesses fail in the first 10 years. Running your own company is not an easy path. And yeah, we're all running our own businesses here, right? So yeah, it is what it is. If you've run your own business in the past and are speaking with a client running theirs, make a point of connecting on common touch points. Tell your client a bit of your own story and ask a few questions about theirs. The lender is going to ask for the client's story. You need to be armed with maximum information. You do not want to waste this client's time chasing A lender refinance approval when it would be a small miracle to get a B lender approval. If we are talking about a purchase, you don't want the realtor wasting their time or the client's time showing properties and writing offers that have no hope of funding. Know your client's story. This can be where the job becomes larger than arranging mortgages. As you sit listening and learning, peeling back the layers of people's lives, you can become part therapist, part life coach, part business coach. Inevitably, there will be cases where you are drawn deeper into clients' lives than you might like. And you will be asked for advice. Be very, very careful just what sort of advice you're offering and be aware of what sort of advice you're actually licensed or not licensed to be giving. For instance, investment advice, accounting advice, legal advice, these all have nuances around them. 
They're not all areas that you should be speaking to in any depth. You can qualify your comments as opinion or make them part of a story about your own similar situation. But in the end, you always want to be referring clients to an expert. So a lot of you might be thinking, hey, isn't this the same guy that talks about always being incorporated? Yeah, yeah. And I tell my story around being incorporated. I've shared a lot of my own numbers and a lot of my own little maneuvers uh, because I've been incorporated that I've been able to actually make happen, uh, purchasing real estate in the Holdco name, et cetera, et cetera. I share my own stories and then I refer, if you're interested in being incorporated, I refer you to an expert. I refer you to a, an experienced accountant who has worked with tons of incorporated brokers. I don't help you do it yourself. That's not, not, not what I do. So anyways, you are all about clients seeking expert qualified mortgage advice. So too, you should be all about clients seeking expert qualified legal tax and investment advice. Have referral partners at the ready that you trust in these areas. Know your limit and work within it. When I suggest telling your own story, I'm talking about a story with an ending, preferably a happy ending. If you are immersed in an ongoing battle with CRA yourself, this is perhaps not the most intelligent or confidence-inducing thing to share with a client. Think carefully before you tell past stories of failure as well. There's a time and a place for those, and it's generally not with a client on the mortgage application conversation. Talk about the wins. Talk about the things you did right. Don't talk about your current problems. After all, you don't have any. Everything is awesome. You are at one with life and all dialed in. You're the rock of Gibraltar, the steady Eddie. That's what you have to be for these clients because these clients are going to go on this wild emotional roller coaster and they need somebody calm, cool, and collected who's been there before, who's going to get them through the process. Not somebody who's freaking out because they're engaged in a, an audit or a divorce or whatever. Don't open up about that stuff with your clients. Even if your troubles were not as severe, no one's life is unblemished. Find a way to connect and to empathize when the timing is right. Few among us have lived lives of detailed perfection. Most of us have had our own struggles and challenges. Just don't turn it into commiseration. Misery loves company, and that's not the kind of company you're trying to provide, nor the kind of company you want to keep. As a Saturday Night Live character played by Billy Crystal used to say, baby, you look marvelous. And it's always better to look marvelous than to feel marvelous. I love that line. It says an awful lot about the world we are expected to fit into. We all want to appear to be feeling marvelous. We all want to look like everything is marvelous. But in reality, of course, very rarely is everything marvelous. It's pretty rare that every single part of your life is working perfectly at once. Enjoy the brief moments if they do occur, revel in them. Probably gonna share it on Instagram. Usually some parts of our lives are working wonderfully, but others, not so much. This is real life. And it's important to be real, right? Be a real person. Few people buy or sell real estate based on logic. It's unlikely that clients realize this. They are buying or selling based on something that's happening in their life. Something good, they're getting married, they're having a baby, life is on the upswing, everything is wonderful. Or something bad, they're getting married. Okay, I'm kidding, I was going to say all the same things again. They're going through a difficult divorce, a faltering business, an illness, an injury, Emotions drive real estate transactions more than any other single thing. I mean, emotion basically drives 100% of all of our decisions and actions. And we are always dealing with an emotional person. Well, ourselves, right? We're dealing with ourselves, but we're dealing with an emotional person, our client, in the middle of an emotional transaction, and they're making a series 
of high stress decisions, almost all of which again are based on emotion. So try to inject a bit of emotion into the equation yourself, identify with them on some level. If you and your client have both been through a divorce and it's amicable and it's over and it's in the past, then maybe you're gonna be able to offer some words of comfort, some insight. The same goes for business failures and success. Relate on a positive level when the opportunity presents itself. Whatever the case, letting that person know that they are not alone and that they are dealing with somebody who's also been there, done that, can go a long way. Two chapter tips. Number one, know when to tell your own story and when to let it be about the clients. This comes with experience, and when in doubt, just shut up and let the clients talk. Chapter tip number two, you have every opportunity to make a second impression and a third and a fourth. So if you put your foot in your mouth, pull it out, keep on walking and talking. And of course, for the tale of a foot deep in the mouth, chapter 43 from uh, volume two, I read that actually as a Facebook live video a little while ago on the Be The Better Broker page. So there's a collection of thoughts for you, 41 minutes worth. And um, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Happy Monday. And I've got uh, Tyler Trumpeter, uh, up and coming rock star broker. I think he's in his third year, but I should know my bios better, uh, joining us tomorrow. And uh, I think I've got another guest on Wednesday. And, and I'm still really actually focused a lot for the next few weeks on newer brokers, you know, people who are brand new or they're in year one, year two, year three, and uh, they're knocking it out of the park or they're struggling like hell. Uh, either way, those are great conversations to be had. So, hey, if you've got a unique story of your own and you're interested in sharing it with a couple hundred people, drop me a line, send me an email, and let's talk. Thanks again. Have a great day, everybody.